Come on, everybody love Jesus? Come on. Looking good. How you doing, 1045? Feeling all right today? How many of you are excited about church? Everybody excited about church? Oh, man, pumped that you are here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know there's a lot of places that you could be, uh, but you are at church, you're at Wellspring, you're in the house. And so uh, if you're a regular, welcome back. Glad that you're here. Thank you for doing and being all that God has you do and be as you in this life and doing what God's called you to do and being who God's called you to be. Uh, but if you are visiting for the very first time, I just want to say welcome. We know that there is a lot of options. We live in the South, so there's a lot of options. And we do not count it uh, we count it as a privilege that you would be here, that you would step foot into our church and uh, kind of experience all that we have here at Wellspring and all that you can do here at Wellspring. And so we're glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope that you stick like Velcro. We hope this be the place that you can use all of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your abilities. Glad you're here. Come on, can we welcome our guests? Come on, let's welcome them. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, delighted you're here. Well, uh, I'm really excited about continuing this series we've been over the last few weeks called Yes. And if you're new, uh, this is the word that the Lord gave us at the end of last year that, that God's promises are yes and amen. And I think for so many of us, we negate the promises of God in our life because of our lack of understanding of what he's already said yes to. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we get there, I want to make a few announcements or a few vision pieces that are happening uh, if you have not been to a revival night, you have missed out. Um, man, they have just been powerful over the last couple weeks, um, two weeks ago and then last week. And then I want you to know if you've not been, you've yet to be at a revival night, you have one more opportunity because this Wednesday is the finale of 2023 Revival Nights. And it may be the best yet. Pastor Randy Bazette from Bayside Community Church is going to be preaching uh, that night. And so we are going out with a bang. We're going to take communion. We're ending our 14-day fast on Wednesday. So make sure you're here. Make sure you're present. Make sure you are here. Um, man, I can't tell you the miracles, the healings. Um, I can't tell you the amount of texts that I get after Revival nights telling me this is what God did at revival night and so man I want God to do that for you as well uh, so make sure that you are here 6 30 we'll have dinner I think it's like six bucks uh, it'll either be I don't know Chick-fil-a or Jersey Mike's or Firehouse subs or I don't know boogers on sandwich I don't know what it is but it's gonna be good okay something good something not good uh, something good uh, then secondly is this tomorrow night uh, we are having our spring or winter depending on how you look at it uh, fall our spring grow classes those are happening uh, and there they are again just one final reminder and so if you've yet to register there at 630 we're doing Ramsey plus which is to help you with your finances if you are still need breakthrough in an area of your life that you feel like you're under bondage or your, your spouse feels like you're under bondage, I wouldn't come on, laugh with me a little bit today. And so make sure you get to freedom. Uh, uh, third is Foundations 101. Uh, we're going to help you build off of this relationship with Jesus. So you can register for that. And then Grief Share is going to be online. So uh, you can get all of those right there. But I do want you to know that this is your final chance. So by the end of the day, you need to be registered. Um, and we'll get you all the information. You're like, well, I can't afford it. Listen, we make no money off of this. In fact, we lose money. So it's not like we're trying to make money. If you can't afford it, we will get you in. It won't cost you anything if money's an issue. We just want you there. Whether you need foundational principles, freedom, 
grief share uh, or helping your finances, make sure that you get there. Amen? So wellspringfl.com slash events, or you can go to our app, the Church Center app. You can go on there, register right there. All right, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna dive in. I just wanna warn you ahead of time, um, this may be the heaviest message in this entire series. Um, let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, we worship you. God, we, we open up our hearts to you today. Father, I just, I, I just, I've got a sense of heaviness for so many of us in this room that are walking through this topic. And so, Father, I just pray um, that your spirit would abound, that you would minister to our hearts. Um, yes, that we would leave changed, but Father, I just pray that we would be reminded today that you, you never change. You were the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you were good then, you'll be good now. And if you're gonna be good in the future, you're good now. So God, we rest in the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Uh, Amen, amen. Well, if you're brand new, maybe you've not been here for the first three weeks of this series, uh, we've been asking or really answering this question, and that is this. Did you know that God has already said yes to you? That before the foundations of the earth were laid and before you ever said yes to him, he said yes to you. You could say it this way. Uh, God pushed all of his chips to the middle of the table. He, he put all of himself in all of you. He said, I'm all in on him. I'm all in on her. I'm all in on them. I, I'm giving them all of myself. My yes is on the table for them. Now, with that yes accompanies a number of things. I've mentioned this. It, it's all the answers to life's tough questions. It, it's it, the answer to when life is confusion, confusing. It's the answer to a sonship or daughtership with the father. Uh, he says yes to marriage he says yes to kids he says yes to life he says yes to financial freedom he says yes to restoration from addiction he says yes to restored marriage he he says yes that's who he is that's what he does his character and his nature is to restore what was broken back to full operating system are you following me it's what he does it's who he is it's what so you got to get that if you don't get that foundational principle then you'll never get what i'm saying so today I want to talk to you around this idea that God's already said yes. Of course he said yes. But what do you do when the yes from God comes with a What do you do? What do you do when God says you're gonna you're gonna be healed of that sickness? You're gonna you're gonna walk again. You're gonna be cancer free. You will be a mother or a father one day. You you will find your spouse. God, you you were sitting in a service and there was a prophetic word spoken. You were in your devotions and the privacy of your home and God spoke to you. You got the tingles and God made it clear this. And that was last year, and that was two years ago, and that was five years ago, and that was 10 years ago, and that was what feels like an eternity ago. What do you do when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God has said yes? But what you did not know 
is that in the middle of him saying yes, he also has said, wait. It reminds me, these are real people. It, it reminds me of some friends that we know, dear friends that we know. And for the last four or five years, these friends have been trying to get pregnant. And they've gone through every avenue possible biblically to get pregnant, to, to do it the right way, to get pregnant, to be a mother and a father. They desperately want to have offspring. And all they keep hearing is, wait, no. I'm thinking of a friend right now who for the last seven or eight years has gone to the doctor after doctor after doctor because there's this ailment in her body and every single time she goes to the doctor, the doctor says, here, take this medicine. Here, do this. But weeks and months go by and nothing changes and she knew she had a promise from God that she would be healed of that, but it's still, wait. I'm thinking of a single lady that April and I love dearly. She's almost, a, she's like a spiritual daughter of ours. And we've seen her grow up and we've seen her mature and we've seen her to get to where she is right now and she's in her mid-20s and yes, life is going great and life is going awesome, but deep down inside, she desperately wants to be a wife. She wants to find the right guy, the right man who can compliment her in this thing called ministry and life and she desperately wants it. She would settle for a good guy that loves Jesus and showers more than once a week. Come on, somebody. Desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> but she keeps hearing no. I'm thinking of somebody right now, they may be in this service. They're dear friends of ours. They've been spiritual parents of April and I. Dear, dear friends. They've walked with us for the last 15 years. And almost every time I'm around them with more than about 10 minutes, they will always say, I just wish my kids would come home. I just wish, I just wish my wayward son or daughter would come home. And God promised me that if you raise them right, they won't depart. But what do I do? Because I heard the promise, but the waiting has become way too long. What do I do? Some of you right now, you've been renting for such a long time, and you are desperately waiting for the house prices to come down. I say to you, good luck, keep waiting. What do you do? What do you do when you know beyond a shot of a doubt God said yes, but he also said wait? Lamentations 3 says this. The Lord is good. Man, we could stop right there and preach a whole series on that. The Lord is good to those who do what? Wait for him. He's good to the soul of that person who seeks him. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna seek God on the topic of waiting. God has said yes, but now I'm in a waiting pattern. By the way, let me just say this to you. Um, and I don't say this braggadociously. I don't, I don't say this in an arrogant way. I don't, I don't say this in a pompous way. It's just a reality. I've, I'm 41. I've been in full-time ministry now for 21 years. I, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school, Flanagraph days. I was, in, I, was in Sunday, I was in school every Sunday. Come on, Sunday Flanagraph people, where are we at? Moses. You're like, you're like no, I don't think that's what he looks like. Yeah, he does. That's what he looks like in Flanagraph world. Then, then I, I graduated, went to Bible college, 
went into full-time ministry then a few years later got my master's degree I've been preaching weekly now for 21 years and I'll just be honest with you for all maybe somebody in this room is smarter than me a number of you are smarter than me but for 21 years of studying the Bible and preaching the Bible and learning the Bible and and reading the Bible for 21 years there's one thing that's common I I read the by the way I read the Bible every year cover to cover one time a year cover to cover every single time I read it can I just be honest with you I'm reminded that there is nobody in the scriptures, not one. Now, now maybe you can find the person, tell me, and I'll change the message for the third service. We don't have a third service. I can't find a single person in the scriptures that did anything good for God that did not require them to wait in a painful season. Let me go so far to say this. I don't know anybody in the scriptures who had to wait, number one, but I know nobody who had to wait for a promise from God that actually enjoyed the process of waiting. Nobody. I know not one. None. So if God, how many believe God still speaks today? So if God still speaks today, if he still makes promises today, we know that, then we must understand that nine times out of ten, I would go so far to say ten times out of ten, his promises are accompanied with the now wait. Let me just list a few people for you. These are the biblical people, okay? And I won't belabor this because you know this, but I'm trying to make a point. Let's just, let's just think about Joseph. Joseph waited 13 years in a pit, waiting to be promoted in the palace of Pharaoh. Thirteen years. 13 years of waiting, 13 years of darkness, 13 years of pain, 13 years of struggle, 13 years of sorrow, 13 years of crying. How about another one? How about Paul? Remember Paul in the New Testament used to be Saul? Saul was walking, or Paul was walking the road to Damascus. You know the story. And what happens, his eyes get blinded, and then he sees God anoints Paul to say, hey, I've called you to not kill Christians, but I called you to be the greatest evangelist in human history. So he did a lot of great things, didn't he? No. See, you don't know this. And I gotta tell you, he waited for 14 years until he went on his first missionary journey. You need to know that. David waited 15 years Remember the little boy who was up on the hill tending to the shepherds, uh, tending to the sheep as a shepherd? He comes down, slays Goliath. That's the man. That's the leader of Israel. Wow, was he a great king? Yes. Did it happen immediately? No. He waited 15 years. 15 years of questioning, 15 years of confusion, 15 years of why, God? Why, Why didn't you just wait to tell me until it was actually ready for me to do the thing? Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. How about, how about these two? How about Abraham and Sarah? 25 years. You're going to be the father of many nations. The stars in heaven are less numerous than the people that I'm going to put underneath your tutelage. 25 years. How about Moses? Remember Moses? Moses wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before he ever was able to lead the grumbling, complaining, annoying Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt. And maybe the most important waiting period, if you're a Christian in the room, maybe the most important waiting was that of Jesus who waited 30 years. 
He was put on this planet for one reason and one reason only, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was in a holding pattern for 30 years. And then finally the Father released him. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. What do you do? What do you do when you hear God's yes, but God says, now sit and wait? Is this going to help anybody today? So I'm going to give you three thoughts today. Man, I'm going to tell you, take notes, but open up your heart today. Here's the first thing I need you to know. If you're in a waiting period, if you're waiting on God to deliver on a promise, let me give you the first thing. Write in your notes this way. Is you are, if God, and by the way, I put this very intentionally. If God is making you wait, you're in good company. How many does that make you feel better? No, we shouldn't. It doesn't change uh, anything. It doesn't matter a hill of beans that Billy Joe's waiting just like you're waiting or Johnny's waiting just like you're waiting or Susie's waiting just like you're waiting. It doesn't fix your thing, does it? Just because you know somebody else is going through the same thing, maybe differently, but sort of the same thing, it doesn't fix your thing. But you know what it does? Man, get this. Can I tell you why this matters why you need to know that when God has you in a waiting period that you're in good company, why I need you to know that today is this, because I need you to realize you're not screwed up. You're not messed up. You're not sinful. You're not screwed up. You're not an idiot. You've not messed up. You didn't, have, you didn't eat the wrong pizza the night before when God gave you that prophetic word of yes. I, I need you to know that you're in good company. You're in good company with a lot of good people that come to church every Sunday, who put their 10% in the offering plate, who serve and wear a green shirt. They go out in service and they are good to their neighbor, but they're still waiting, waiting on God to deliver the promise. I need you to know that. You're not messed up. I, I need you to know this, even though this is a hard truth. I need you to know that waiting is a normal part of the Christian life. I need you to know it. But what I need you to know even more is this harder truth. Do not miss this. Is that waiting can be normal and waiting can be painful at the very same time. That it is a normal part of the Christian life to wait and it is a normal part of the Christian life to make it a painful wait. Don't raise your hand. If you're waiting... Is it enjoyable? No! It sucks. You hate it. And it's painful, it's annoying, it's letting you down, fill in the blank. And then I stumbled on these two verses, this story. In Psalm chapter 13, here's what David is pouring his heart out. Here's what he said. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? How long? How long? How long? Is it forever? Come on, how many know you get dramatic when you're waiting? Come on, somebody. Forever. It's like, I'm, your kids, I'm starving. We just ate two hours ago. You don't know what starving is. Forever. How long will you look the other way? I want to tell somebody today, there is nobody walking this planet 
Or I should say this way. There are very few people walking this planet that look at their waiting season going, whoo, this is the greatest thing ever. Let me wait a little bit more. Can I tell you that after Monday night's football game, nobody turned the TV off saying, cannot wait for the next three to four months waiting if Tom Brady's gonna come back and play for the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is gonna be the greatest season as a Tampa. Come on, somebody. Nobody thought that. If you're a Bucks fan, this is the most horrific part of the year. Who are we building our team around? And then you wanna say what I wanna say. Hey, Tom, don't be selfish. Just let us know if you're coming back. Come on, Bucks fans. Because why? We don't wanna wait. We need to know now. We didn't know what the draft is gonna be. We didn't know who we're gonna pick up. We didn't know free agency because if we're gonna build this thing around Tom Brady, we need to know if Tom Brady's coming back. And listen to me, your life is the same way. You need to know from God because if you're gonna build your life around the yes that he's already said to you, you need to know now his timing is screwing up the whole process. And here's what you've done. You've questioned God. And can I just tell you, God's not afraid of your questioning. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't make him mad. I don't know what your church background is. Somebody told you when you were younger, don't you ever question God. The Bible's full of people that question God. I want you to know that's verse one. Five verses later, verse five. But, but, I trust in your unfailing love and I will rejoice because you have rescued me now let me say something to you because you don't know this let me say this to you David hasn't been rescued David is still in the middle of the fire so you need to know that because what David is saying is this I'm choosing to worship a God who has already delivered on his promise and I'm gonna pray expectantly because it changes my heart when I pray expectantly, not just for what I want God to do, but believing that God has already done what I want him to do and what he's already said he's going to do. I'm preaching 32.7% better than you're responding today. Like, are you hearing me? I don't wanna say it again. You didn't clap the first time. My point is this, that we've got to start believing and praying and trusting that the God who hasn't delivered is already delivered because he's already said yes. His timing isn't my timing. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to him. He's not on a 24 hour period. He doesn't look at his watch. Nothing's ever occurred to God. Are you following me? What changes? Anybody here today? So I need you to know that. I I need you to know that if you're waiting, you're in good company. Here's the second thought today, and I'm gonna lean in on this one, is that when you are waiting, I need you to know God is still working. Now, I know when I throw that up on the screen, you're like, that's cool. Thanks. Heard it a hundred times. And this is what I want you to know, that you, while you're in your waiting period, God is doing his greatest development for your future. So, You look at so many heroes in the scripture and what you will find is many of them were in what I'm calling spiritual boot camp. So they go to this boot camp. Why, why? military people, why do you go to boot camp? To prepare for battle. 
to prepare for your life, to prepare for the forever, so that you understand what you're getting yourself into. And for some of us in this room, you are negating and you're trying to clep out of the spiritual boot camp God wants you to go through. Hello. So what you're doing is you're living your life saying, well, I'm already ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm already ready for what it is that God said yes to. And God would say that while you're waiting, he is preparing. He's preparing you. So what is God preparing? Well, I think there's three thoughts God's preparing. And you need to know this. Like you have to know this. Waiting, families, waiting, single people, waiting, husband and wife without kids, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're going, why am I waiting? There is a purpose in your wait. Because God is still doing something. Write these three thoughts down. He is often working on your competency so you're prepared for what's next. The worst thing that God can do for you is to give you the thing he's already said yes to in the wrong time of you receiving it. Let me say it this way. In order for you to be a good steward of what he has said yes to, the timing in the season has to be right. Let me give you an example. When I was 16 years old, my very first vehicle that I ever owned was a 1988 hatchback red Ford Escort. Mm. No air conditioning. April, remember some hot dates we went on in that Ford Escort? And I loved it. Loved everything about it. There was one thing wrong with my Ford Escort. Besides, it didn't have air. It was stick shift. And when I bought the car, I bought it because it was really cheap, but I did not know how to drive stick shift. So for months, I would look at, and I don't know why my mom did this, but my dad actually is the one who helped me to drive. And so I remember for months begging my dad, Dad, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I think I got it, I think I got it. I think I can drive. Come on, Dad, let me drive, let me drive. And he would look at me and he would say, you're not ready. You're not ready, 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 you're not ready. You're not ready, you've not driven long enough. You're not ready, son. You aren't ready. And I caught him in a weak moment he had not gone to church like my mom had asked him to go to church on that Sunday morning. And I'll never forget, we get home from church and I said, Dad, I'm ready. And I caught him in a weak moment. And he said, son, he was a NASCAR guy. He said, son, when the race is over, I'll take you to drive. So the time happened, we got out and we started driving. I lived on Oak Street. So right behind Oak Street is Ornelda Street. And right on the other side of Ornelda Street is First Baptist Ruskin or Ruskin Christian School. And I'll never forget, I'm driving out, I take my first left down near where the water's at. Within a half a mile of me driving this vehicle, guess what happened? I blew out the clutch. I was ticked, I was angry, I got out of the car, I slammed the car door, I blamed it on my dad, and I said, you blah, 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 blah. And this is, I, I tell my dad this all the time. It was one of my beautiful moments with me and my, my father. And he looked at me and he said, son, I told you, you weren't ready. And for the next six months, I worked every Saturday morning to spend $700 so I could get a brand new clutch from my 1988 hatchback red Ford Escort. What am I saying to you? 
Stop telling God you're ready. You don't want to get in the car and blow out the clutch. Get ready until he says you're ready. I need you to know that he's working on your competency. I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. I had no idea. I need somebody to know that God is developing your character so you don't fail at what is next. That's the second thing I want you to know. God is developing your character. He's developing your competency, and he's developing your character. I love leadership. I think leadership is awesome. I love teaching our staff leadership. I love reading leadership books. But I've been fooled for way too long. What I've been taught for way too long is, I wrote it this way. I want to make sure I read it right. Is most people think character is what makes you a great leader. And I want you to know that's wrong. Now, don't throw tomatoes at me. Let me finish the thought before you get mad at me. Character does not make somebody a great leader. We've all known people who have great character that can't lead them or anybody else out of a brown paper bag. But every one of us have known somebody on the flip side. They're highly skilled, highly talented, but their character is about as deep as the bathtub. You're like, yeah, that's my boss. I work for them. That's that person. So you know what I've learned? That character isn't the definition of leadership. However, character doesn't make you a leader. Character is what sustains you as a leader. So in the middle of your waiting period, God is making you more better at what the thing is that you want from him. You want a business? He's making you better at it. You want to be a mom or dad? He's making you better at it. You, you want to open up this new thing? He's, making, he's developing your competency so that when you get the thing, you can steward it with the right skills and talents. But he also has you in this waiting period so that you have the right character so that when he blesses you, you don't say, look at me. And I think God would say to us today that you do not want your competency to take you where your character cannot sustain you. So some of us were in a waiting period simply because he's still working on our character. You're still arrogant. You're still cocky. I'll never forget when I was, I spent probably the first, what, April, probably 12 years of my ministry, our ministry, um, not being a lead pastor. And you know what I thought in those 12 years? When I get to be a lead pastor, I'm gonna do things a lot different than that person did. If I was the leader, I would. And then, listen, no exaggeration. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before. Within six months, April, correct me if I'm wrong, within six months of being a lead pastor, I went back to every person that I ever worked for and apologized for my arrogant spirit. Even the name that you're thinking of right now, I apologize to them. Everyone. Can I tell you why? Because I was not ready to do what God wanted me to do God has to develop your competency and God has to develop your character. Psalm 130, verse five, listen to this verse, beautiful verse. I, want, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits in his word and I put my hope in him. What does David do? He's waiting in the promises that God's already delivered on. He's waiting in the promises of what God has already done. He's waiting in the promises of what God's done for him and he's waiting on the promises. Uh, he's worshiping God with the promises of what he's already accomplished in everybody else. God doesn't want your talent to take you where your character cannot keep you. 
He's developing your competency. He's developing your character so that when he gives you the thing that you want, you steward it the right way. It doesn't mean stop praying. It doesn't mean stop believing. It doesn't mean stop wishing. It just means while you are waiting, God, I want to be better. So you want to be a mom? You want, you want to be, listen, let me, let me help somebody. You want to be a mom? You want to be a dad? Why don't you try foster care? Oh, it got really quiet up in here. I don't know if I want to do that. You're not being a good steward of what God is. You, God said yes that you'd be, go take advantage of what the opportunity you have right now. You know how many thousands of kids are in the Hillsborough County foster care system, but you're waiting that you get pregnant. Use your stewardship gifts right now to mother or father kids that aren't your biological kids. Oh, I'm preaching. Let me just start that over. Are you hearing me? Well, I want to be, I want to, I want to own my own business one day. You can't even honor your boss right now. Well, when I get my own business, what? You don't even show up to work on time. You, you following me? You dishonor your boss all the time. You talk bad about them. Why would God bless you with your own when you can't even honor the person that you're under right now? It's character. Listen to me, church. I'm trying to help you. It may not feel good, but I'm trying to help you. Your character, your competency cannot take you where your character cannot sustain you. God is developing. Here's the third thought, and then I'm going to give you the last point. So, so while you're waiting, God is developing your competency. God is developing your character. And then here's the third thought under this waiting period. God is working on your dependence so that you trust more in him and less on yourself. Hear me? Many of us are way too comfortable trusting ourselves. Your education, your experience, your talent, your accolades on the wall, your this, your that. And God would say to you right now, you will be a whole lot more successful when you learn to just trust me with your hands wide open and say, Lord, put in what you want, take out what you want to take out. I trust you. My dependence is on you. I trust you. I am for you and I am with you and I trust you in the process. Here it is, right here. Uh, by the way, let me throw this verse up here. This verse right here, while I'm down there worshiping, if you ever hear me praying through worship songs, I do it all the time, I will often be praying this right here. Father, may you increase and may I decrease. Father, more of you, less of me. May, may, may people see you. When I walk up this stage every single Sunday, when I walk up, I say, Father, may I disappear from the planet and may people see the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. I don't want him to see a talent. I don't want him to see ability. I don't want him to see a human being. I don't want this church to be built on my personality. I want this church to be built on the Holy Spirit who lives inside of the pastor. Are you following me? So I just pray this all the time. Because let me just tell you, can I confess to you? I can be arrogant. Surprise, surprise. I can be cocky. I'm an Enneagram 3. Put something in front of me, I will achieve the snot out of it. Trust me. Ask my wife, anything I put in front of me, I can accomplish with a whole lot of skill, a whole lot of effort, a whole lot of talent. And God is reminding me time and time again, no, you can't. You must decrease and I must increase. I don't, I don't, know, what your, I don't know what your upbringing was. Listen, this is for somebody who grew up in a childhood. Maybe, maybe you heard this, you're never gonna be good enough. You're never gonna amount to anything. You're always gonna be a screw up. You'll always be a failure. 
Maybe you grew up in a home or, or, or a, a generation where they said, put a smile on it. Come on, fake it right now. We're going in here. Stop it right now. Dry those tears. We're going in here. You were told so often to do. And I want you to know something about God. God is very different. And he is far more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. Way more concerned. So if you're like me and you grew up and you heard you're, you're, you're a failure, you're a screw-up, you always do things half-ass, I heard that over and over and over and over again, over and again. Constantly I heard that. Constantly. And God over the last few years is reminding me of this, that he's way more interested in the person that I'm becoming than what I am doing for him. By the way, let me just say this to you, God don't need you. But he wants you. Oh, he wants you. He's developing you to become the person that he's always wanted you to be. So let me remind you, if you're in a waiting season, God is always working on your competency, your skill level. He's making you, you're, you're not ready. You want to be a good steward of what he gets you. He's working on your character. And then thirdly, he is working on your dependence on him. So listen, if you're in a waiting season right now, if you're in a waiting season right now and you're like, oh my gosh, if God would just give it to me now, we could get a whole lot further on this thing. I want to remind somebody today that a waiting season is never a wasted season. But what I think is even more important is this, that God is often wanting to do something in you before he does something through you. It's that whole idea, God wants you to become something rather than what you do. So listen, you're in a waiting season. You're in good company because many of us in this room are waiting. I want you to know through your waiting season, God is working. He's the antivirus behind your TV, your, your computer screen, keeping you safe. You don't see him. You don't think about it. You, you don't notice, but he is working. He never stops working. My God never sleeps. Constantly working. Here's the third and final one. You got, you here today? Everybody good? You need a deep breath or something? All right, here we go. Number three. His God's delays are not always his denials. God's delays are not always his denials. For some of you, you've received a big delay, a big delay. You've been waiting for a long time, and God wants you to know that he's not done with you. God wants you to know that just because you've not got it yet doesn't mean you're not going to get it. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it's not going to be done. Just it, what it means is it's not going to be done yet. God's got you. It reminds me of Abraham and Sarah. I didn't know Pastor David was going to share this on Wednesday night, but it reminds me of this beautiful story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, they pro their promise, stars in the sky, would be limited by, would be smaller than the people that you're going to be under your leadership. So for 25 years, they waited. About halfway through that, what happens? You know the story. They take matters into their own hands. Sarah looks at Abraham and says, hey, we're not going to get pregnant. This ain't worth it. We're not going to be able to do this. So he looks at Sarah and he says, hey, or looks at Abraham and says, hey, why don't, why don't you go sleep with our maidservant, Hagar? Maybe she can get us a baby. So a few months later, Hagar gets birth, gives birth to Abraham and Hagar's child. Name was Ishmael. And for the last, for the, la for the next several decades, what happens is this. Ishmael, feel bad for the guy, but the Ishmael situation became the thorn of Abraham and Sarah's side. Just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it because they were unwilling to wait out the process that God had already said. And I'm gonna say this to somebody. What, what are you gonna do when God finally delivers the timing on the yes that he's already said to you? 
Here, here's, here's my fear. My fear is this, that you will do exactly what Sarah did. The Bible says, the Bible says that she laughed silently to herself and said, how could this worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, who also is old, then the Lord, listen, I want, I want to know something. Listen, I want to know something. What did Sarah do when she finally, God was finally going to deliver on the promise? What did you do? She, she what? Come on, help me. She what? She laughed, right? So God is going to deal with that, is he not? Hello, is he not? Who does God go to? Abraham. Say, why? I'm going to speak to the men in this room. Oh, we're going there. This is not a male chauvinist thing. This is not I'm living in the early 1900s. This is just a reality what God said. That husband, you are the leader of your home. God looks to Abraham and he said, how in the world could I let you be a father of many nations when you can't even lead your household? You can't even center around me on your, your wife doesn't even believe that I am a God of the word that I spoke. Listen, men, you are responsible for your household. You're responsible. You're responsible for the way that your wife looks at. You're responsible for the way that your kids look at. You're responsible. God, Bible says this, that God is gonna hold you doubly accountable for the way that you lead your home. It's awful quiet up in this church. Don't, don't think in an accident or a coincidence that God looks to Abraham and he says, why, why is your wife laughing? Why, why is she laughing? Why does she not believe? Did I not say you would be? Why? Why is she saying an old woman can't give birth to a baby? And then he says these six famous words, do not miss them. Any, is anything too hard? the Lord and then he says this you ain't ready I thought you were ready but you ain't ready in fact I'm going to make a promise to you that in a year from now I'm going to come back here she wasn't ready they were still doubting that God could actually do what God said he was going to do but he says one year from now I'm going to be back here and if you don't get your act together you and I ain't gonna be able to accomplish the things that I know we can accomplish together. So figure it out, bro. I think God is looking to some of us men right now and he's saying, figure it out, bro. Figure out how to lead your home. Figure out how to lead your wife spiritually. Figure out how to lead your kids spiritually. Figure it out. You better figure it out. Because at some point, God's gonna come and he's gonna say, I'm ready to deliver on my promise. Are you ready? And the last thing that you and I want to do is be the ones that laugh in the face of God. You're going to be held accountable for those that live in your home. So we don't know a lot of Abraham's story. We do know that they give birth, Abraham and Sarah, and they give birth to Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Then you have the 12 tribes of Israel. 
You have the Tower of Babel. You have the language. You have speaking in tongues. You have the different languages. You have the interpretation. You have the spreading of the gospel throughout the entire region. It's beautiful, gorgeous, amazing. It's incredible. We don't really know how it all ends until we get to the end of the book. Just about at the end of the book in Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says this. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. If there was ever a verse, listen people in a waiting period, if there was ever a verse you need to memorize, uh, this would be it. You're waiting to get pregnant? Memorize this verse. You're waiting to find the spouse? Memorize this first. You're waiting to start that business? Memorize this first. You're waiting to get over that addiction? Memorize this first. Let's make it personal. Then Joey waited patiently. Dear Lord. And Joey received what God had said yes to. Then April waited patiently. And April received what God had already said yes to her. I'm going three more. Then Dakota, that's our oldest son, waited patiently. And Dakota received what God had already said yes. Then Liam, that's our 12-year-old, waited patiently. And Liam, as a 12-year-old boy, what was promised to him, What God had said yes, God has finally delivered on his yes. Last one. Then Layla, our princess, waited patiently. And Layla received what God had already said yes to. Listen, you're responsible for your household. You're responsible. You're responsible what is said in your house. You're responsible with what you allow into your house. If you allow grace, grace will abound. If you allow complaining, complaining will abound. If you allow truth, truth will abound. Whatever dads, moms, whatever you allow into your your house will be the thing that abounds in your house. I just want to lead my family in such a way that if God said he would do it, then by golly, God will make it happen. God will do it. So you're in a waiting season. You have one or two choices, then I'm done. You're in this waiting season. God's developing your character. He's developing your competency. He's developing your dependence. God's delays aren't his denials. We get all that. Now what do we do? You have one or two options. You can either endure the wait. Now, I've endured a lot of waits. I don't like waiting. I'm not a waiting. I'm not a patiently waiting person. But I don't know anybody that has ever endured through a situation that has actually learned through that situation. One of the things that our family loves to do, we absolutely love it. It's the amazing, so, so fun. And I realize that not everybody's like this and that's totally cool, but you got a thing like we got a thing. We love Disney World. We love it. We forget about life. We forget about problems. We forget about it all. We forget it. We love Disney. And by the way, if you've not been to Disney, the magic is officially back. Come on, in Jesus' name. You've not been in a while, it is finally back. They don't know, do they, April? They don't even know. They don't know. They don't know. But oftentimes we'll get to Disney and we'll look at the wait line and it'll say 90 minutes. Now, I'll be honest with you. 
our two youngest are like, oh, I don't want to wait 90 minutes. Ugh! And they bow their back up. But then we get in the line, we play a game, we have conversation, we make fun of people. We do a lot of things in the line. It's a lot of fun. People watch. But if you were to ask my kids, what's their favorite thing about Disney? They won't tell you it's Space Mountain. They won't even tell you we can't wait till Tron opens in a few weeks. They will tell you our two favorite things at Disney are waiting in lines because of the conversations that we have and the fun that we have when we're talking. I will tell you, parents of 19-year-old kids, uh, you want to have a conversation? Have it in a line at Disney World. And getting back to the hotel room. When we were on sabbatical this summer, there was nothing better than for all of us just to be in one room together. I felt like as the shepherd, I had all my little dunklings in one room. Listen, can I just say something to somebody? I wrote it this way. I said this. You have got to learn. I wrote it this way. Here it is. Our favorite experiences is during the way, the worst waits. Our family's greatest experiences are during the worst waits. So you can endure the wait, or you can choose to embrace the wait, to embrace it. I'm 41 years old. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I feel like over the last few years, I feel like I'm getting, I know I'm young. I get it. Some of you are like, you're so young, whatever. But the older that I get, I realize I'm looking in reverse. And I almost did a series in January. I'll probably do it at some point. Something about our younger self. If I could go back and talk to my younger self, letters to my younger self, something like that. If I could go back to talk to my 12-year-old self, you know what I would tell my 12-year-old self? 41-year-old self, you're gonna wait a lot over the next 29 years. A lot. It's gonna be a lot of waiting. You're gonna wait on buying your, I'll never forget trying to buy our first car. We went to six different credit unions to buy our first car. This was, I don't know how many years ago, 12% interest on our first car. I would tell myself that. It took forever for us to buy our first home. It took forever for somebody to say, I choose you in ministry. It was like the last few weeks of my senior year of college where somebody said, I want to interview you. They're like, did you like the church? I didn't care. Somebody wanted me, so I went. I would tell myself that after you have Dakota, it's going to take you a little while to have your second child. And you're going to wait a long time. And I would remind myself that waiting is a part of the Christian life. And the better you are at waiting, the more promises of God you will receive. You'll hear yeses over, over, over again. So don't ever go to this side. You can embrace the wait or you can endure the wait. I think there's a group of people in church today that you're choosing to embrace the right wait. Are you here today? You're choosing to embrace the weight. I'm going to embrace the weight. I'm done enduring the weight. I'm going to embrace the weight. And I'm going to choose to trust Jesus along the way. As he's developing my competency, he's developing my character, he's developing my dependence on 
him. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, every head bowed with nobody looking.